giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Chad Pytel, and with me today is Che Eduard, co-founder and CEO of MustWatch which connects people through television. Jay, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So astute listeners of the show will note, maybe that name sounds familiar. Uh, and that's because you and Mustwatch were mentioned on episode 419, which was about the GK fund with Michael Ben Ezra. And I asked him for examples of the kinds of companies that he was excited about that they had given their grants to. And you're the one he uh, he called out. And so- that jumped out at me, and and thanks for joining the show. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. And I definitely wanted to sh- shout out the the GK Fund. They've definitely been a huge support to us um, since giving us the grant, and they're definitely uh, leading the charge in, in this new uh, avenue of racial inequality and helping startups in, in that fashion in Boston. Yeah. So I'm curious. Let's before we get too far down the road of where you're at today and how you got there. Let's take a step back and just uh, remind people what MustWatch is. Absolutely. MustWatch is an app that's on the App Store now. So even if you have an iPhone, you can download it. And it's an app that it's revolving around TV. So it allows you to see what shows your friends watch, chat with them about them, and send recommendations all in one place. So we think of it as like a social hub for all of your TV needs. I think people who hear this might be like, Oh, you know, does this exist already? That kind of thing. And there's a couple of things sort of like a little bit like this, but it doesn't seem like there's really anything that's quite like this, right? Exactly. So a lot of the social TV apps and other uh, services today, they focus on one feature or for example, chat or recommendations or giving reviews about shows or having a list of it. But our app, we do all of it in one place. So on our app, you can store what shows you like. You can also share with your friends directly, hey, like you should go watch this show because I think you should like it. We also have this feature called Watchlist, which is our natural social recommendations of here are all the shows that your friends are watching that you don't watch. And so it's a, it's a way to give people, obviously, to find new shows without getting uh, the same recommendations from Netflix and Hulu that are not really accurate today. Yeah, yeah. How did you hit upon this idea? Actually, one of my uh, high school friends, we were all brainstorming, coming up with ideas for companies. And then one day he was at work and he was trying to talk about Game of Thrones, but his boss wouldn't let him because he wasn't caught up of the season. <laughs> he wasn't there. So he was like, how do I find someone or talk to someone who's caught up to where I'm at so I can actually have a conversation? And so we brainstormed and we tried to solve the problem of let's just create a, a spoiler-free chat kind of solution that would allow people to talk about shows that caught up on and then that we've iterated and evolved and that's kind of led to where we're at today and when was that that was i want to say 2014 that was when i graduated from bu so in the summer of 2014 that's when we first had the idea and then from there we just brainstormed had a bunch of meetings and then just took a year to kind of just in stealth mode trying to figure out how we wanted to create a business plan and then from there we uh we hit the ground running mm-hmm. you and and your friend what were what were your sort of core competencies, the two of you? I'm the, the tech background, so to speak, because uh, as I mentioned, I went to BU. My degree is in um, management information systems, which is basically business IT. So I was trying to leverage all of my technology skills there and also my business skills to say, all right, how do we, one, build an app and two, create a business that can actually support it going for the long term. And he had more of the idea on the customer side of how can we create an experience or a user 
a user engagement platform that allows people to co constantly come back and constantly want to find more reasons to use our app. Because as we know, people watch a show on TV, but the app is a conduit to that. And so we, we want to figure out a way to get people to constantly use our app, but also not interrupt their TV watching experience. Mm -hmm. So you said, you know, you're trying to figure out a business plan, you're refining the concept. At what point do you start making the leap to actually writing an app? With all apps, you start with this concept called wireframes. And so mm -hmm. we, we built out a bunch of wireframes. Two of my friends from high school, we all built the app together. And then he, one of them went to Miami and his friend from Miami, he's the one that actually helped us develop the app mm -hmm. in, in code. And so we worked with him to actually say, hey, these are, our, these are our wireframes. We're trying to make this into an app. Can you build it out? And so we worked with him over a year to make that a reality. And it, it took about a year to get to launch? We actually started on Android and we were trying mm -hmm. to just create, create an MVP or prototype. And so we took that idea for, like I said, we were working for a year to this company called Net Capital, which is a crowdfunding platform for startups and companies. And we launched on Net Capital in, in May of t uh, 2020. Mm -hmm. With that idea, we raised 50K in almost three months. Um, and that's, that's what, and with that money, we actually built the app from there. And so the app that you see in the, in the app store now is from the money that we've raised on that capital. Yeah. Did you throw away that original version then and start over? I wouldn't say throw away. We kind of use mm -hmm. it as a launching point, but it, we don't have any Android version right now. We're strictly right. in iOS. Yeah, that, that was notable to me. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so uh, going from Android to iOS was it was really a business a business decision there because mm -hmm. our developer he had knowledge in Android but didn't have the iOS background, and so when we went on that capital, we used the money to actually hire a real development team. That's who's building our app now. So we work with them to build our app, and going to iOS has allowed us to at least in the meantime expand the U.S. market a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. Now, are they building it in? first-party frameworks only for iOS, or are they using something that is going to allow you to go to expand to Android in the future? So right now we're, we are strictly iOS only. We are, mm -hmm. we would like to move to like a react native or a, a tool that allows us to, to promote to both. When we, when we first started, we, we wanted to just focus on iOS given, the, yeah. given our yeah. costs. You know, these are common problems that a lot of startups or common decisions that a lot of startups have to make. And it's not always straightforward. Were you, were you worried about this? Yes. Cause that's the, that's the one of the things now is we would, we would love to have an Android version, but for me, mm -hmm. I'm being more of a purist. Like I, I didn't want the code to work in one system and not another. Mm -hmm. And given that we only had in my mind, it's like you have one shot to make an impression. And when you go out and launch on the app store, I didn't want it to be half baked in one and half baked mm -hmm. in the other. I'd rather mm -hmm. have one be exactly how we want it to look, and then we can adapt as we grow. Mm -hmm. How has it been working for you then? Um, so far, so good. We're actually in the process of releasing some new features uh, later this month. And so, like I said, like the watch list feature, which allows you to shoot ad shows are you going to watch in the future. Um, we also have the ability to create chats through the search functionality because previously you had to create a new chat every single time. So we've made it easier for people to start chats and also we can do group chats as well. So it's not just individuals. You can have a whole group of people in one conversation. So some of these features, you know, there must be a, a backend server powering all of this, right? Yes. So we use um, the Google Cloud Firestore for our backend. Mm -hmm. And another cool part about our app is 
we have a lot of analytics about what people are watching, and that's where we take the data from our cloud, um, the, the Google Cloud Firestore, and we we send it to the BigQuery, that also a Google platform, mm -hmm. and then we use the Google Analytics that we have on the app to then do our reports around who's watching what, top 10 shows for the past month. The top 10 show is based on if you're male, female, you're based on what, what age group. So we have all the analytics on the viewing habits mm -hmm. from the data that we've collected. Can you tell me how many users you have now? As of right now, we are at 820. Mm -hmm. We are looking to obviously get a little bit over to that thousand, thousand users mark, and then we can have a better sense of what kind of insights we can we can gleaning from there. Yeah. Well, hopefully um, coming on this show will we'll help you do that. So if you're <laughs> if you're listening and, and this at all sounds interesting to you, where are the best places? So uh, people can search for must watch on the app store, the iOS app store. Yep. And we also have a website, mustwatch.com, if people want to check that out as well. Yeah. So let's do it. Let's push them over the top and and get those numbers up. I'm curious about usage patterns. Are you able to see any patterns in terms of what causes people to either keep using the app or not? Yeah, so the main thing that keeps people using the app is having chat groups with people and then also mm -hmm. getting recommendations. Like I mentioned before, we have the social recommendations yeah. of people just showing you what shows people watch, but there's also direct one-to-one. -one. Like I could, I could send, if you're on the app, I could send you a recommendation and that's what drives a lot of people to, to go on the app and find new shows. Another thing that we see is a lot of people just like searching, just looking up the shows that are on the app because our database of shows is, is, is actually pretty robust. I was mm -hmm. talking to someone yesterday, he's Korean, and he was using his phone to type in a show and he was using the Korean keyboard and the show came up. And he was like, oh, wow, I didn't even know you guys support multiple languages. And I was like, yes, we support our database of shows is very exp expansive. So if you're in Korea, if you're in Japan, if you like anime, if you like telenovelas, we have all types of shows on, on our app as well. Do you get that database from somewhere? Yeah, so there's, there's actually um, a uh, TV show API called TMDB, which pretty much is an open source free database that, you can, mm -hmm. that they can pull from. And so we use that as our, um, as our uh, source for shows. That's cool. Speaking of shows, I noticed on the Muscle website, on the team page, you all list your favorite shows and what you're currently watching. Yep. I think you and I have a different tastes in shows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have heard of the shows that are your favorite, but I have not watched any of them. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are your favorite shows? I think actually my shows match uh, the shows listed by Rob, your CFO. Oh, uh, wow. <laughs> um, and my all-time favorite show is, I think, The Leftovers. Oh, okay. Okay, yep. So, yeah, and that's, that's the cool thing about um, this app is, like, if you were, if you're on the app, you, you would see Rob's shows on the app, too, because when it, if you download the app, you, you become a friend with all of us immediately, so you have friends on there to start. Oh, that's a cool idea. So it, so it gives you the way to just see what the app can look like before. Because if, if you're on there by yourself with one person, it's a social app. It's meant to be with people. It doesn't really give you that clarity. Mm -hmm. So I bring that up because that's the one cool thing about the app is you always are surprised by what shows people watch. Even if they're your friends, it's like, oh, I didn't know you would like that show. Or, oh, like I like that show and you don't like that show. And it's just it's, it's, a, it's a very cool another icebreaker or just a social connection that you can make because everyone's putting their shows um, on the app. Mm -hmm. 
And one way, actually, someone I was talking to someone about it the other day is think about how, like, Spotify, you put all your playlists and all your shows. This app is kind of like a Spotify, but but for TV shows and also for movies. So it's not yeah. just um, shows, movies as well. Yeah, and the cool things that Spotify does in terms of like the reports that they release annually to each individual person and everything, like that's all stuff you can do too. Yep. Yeah, it's cool. So your background actually is in sort of business intelligence, data, data analysis, and analysts, right? Yes, that's that's correct. For my day job. Well, I, I just let me back up. I've also have a day job while also doing this, and I've primarily been the past couple of years a BI analyst. So mm-hmm. previously, I was at Harborvest, which is a private equity firm here in Boston, and then I recently joined Liberty Mutual Investments, also as a BI data analyst. So I've been very involved in the financial services side of data analytics, which has allowed me to just get other insights on how to, how technology works, and just also getting exposure to the whole P industry as well. So you basically have two reasons why you want to get the users up, the number of users up. One is from a co-founder perspective and, and, and founder perspective, you want to get the number of users up. But from a data perspective, you want to get the users up so that you have more data to play with. Exactly. Exactly. The, the more users we have, the more data we can collect and then data we can glean insights and then provide value to our customers as well. Because our app users, if we can know what shows are liking, we can also then tell them about shows that they also might like. Because mm-hmm. once you find commonalities in shows that people are liking, you can then give them a better recommendation. And we think that the social aspect of our app, the fact that we have all of your friends on there and they're giving you recommendations, it's better than just, oh, you've watched this show in the past three years and it's on Netflix's algorithm of uh, watch shows. That to us doesn't really seem as insightful or helpful to people. Yeah. When starting a new project, we understand that you want to make the right choices in technology, features, and investment, but that you don't have all year to do extended research. In just a few weeks, ThoughtBot's discovery sprints deliver a user-centered product journey, a clickable prototype or proof of concept, and key market insights from focused user research. We'll help you to identify the primary user flow, decide which framework should be used to bring it to life, and set a firm estimate on future development efforts. Maximize impact and minimize risk with a validated roadmap for your new product. Get started at tbot.io slash sprint. So you mentioned you have uh, another job in addition to all this work you've been doing on Must Watch. How has that been, uh, you know, starting a company, working on it while also, you know, having a full-time job elsewhere? Yeah, it's, it's definitely been, I guess, one of the challenging things, <laughs> I would say. Um, it's definitely been rewarding. It takes a lot of time management, I would say, because you have to mm-hmm. balance your day job and managing something on the side. I think the, the biggest hurdle I had was when we were first launching the app on the App Store, um, meeting with developers and trying to fundraise all at the same time. It was, mm-hmm. I was just pressed for time, but it was, we kind of, because of the COVID, COVID happened right when we were launching. So working from home, all day, every day kind of helped because I didn't have an hour commute anymore. So I got like two hours back in my day. So I could, instead of going to work um, on the T or just commuting, I had an hour in the morning, an hour after I could use that time for must watch. But I had to definitely sacrifice some some of my social life to, <laughs> to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I assume that you have the plans to, you know, that you would hope that things with must watch get to the point where you could you could do it full time. 
yes, the, yes. The, the goal is to get Mustwatch to a point where we can pay our employees and have salaries and everyone can just be working from the company. Um, but as everyone knows, once you're, if you're in your startup, you got to just not pay yourself and make sure everything goes into the company before. Yeah. How I see it is you can't pay yourself until every, everything else is working. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, people hear the startup stories of, you know, raising a whole bunch of money, working exclusively on it, um, having more than enough. I think that that's actually not necessarily the norm. That, that That's the outlier. I think it's more common, more widespread to do what you're doing, to have an idea and to, to be working on it and growing it while also holding down another job. Yeah, because as, as you all know, the, the bills need to be paid and <laughs> those, <laughs> those don't go away. But yeah. I, d- I didn't want to give up on the dream. So if you want to make it happen, you can make it happen. Because while I was at HarborVest, I also was at Babson getting my, my master's degree in um, biz analytics. So at one point in time, I was like working full time at grad school and doing must watch. To me, that was probably the most busiest period of my life. But yeah. I, I did get through it, <laughs> but definitely took took a lot. But now we're we're here, and we we've got support from the GK Fund, and I, I couldn't be happier of of where the future lies ahead. Yeah, one of the things about the GK Fund is that it's a grant; it's not an investment where you're giving up part of your company in order to do it, which I think is really important for especially for a very early stage companies not to have to give away a significant portion of their company just to get uh, some angel investment or that that startup funds. I assume that's one of the reasons why it's been a big impact for you. Absolutely. I mean, one, having it not be a grant was a lifesaver. Mm-hmm. I mean, not be a investment was a lifesaver for us. It was At the time, we're still trying to figure out how to just get cash to get, get that, next step, that, that next stage. And so for us, a, a grant was literally the... A, a blessing or a miracle at the perfect mm-hmm. timing because it allowed us to give us a little kickstart because i mean as as everyone knows if you're you start up you're you're always low on cash so um and you're always trying to decide what to what's the best way to move the company forward and that just gave us that breathing room um without having to worry about paying it back or a timetable to now let us uh actually grow and do what we can do best do you hope to take a more traditional investment in the future yes um, so we're actually planning to do another fundraising round on that capital. This time we're gonna, we're planning to raise four hundred fifty thousand dollars, and that's going to help us build out the build out the app, um, increase our marketing, and then potentially also build the an Android version. Yeah, so I'm not sure that everyone who's listening will know what Net Capital actually is. Um, yeah, so Net Capital is a crowdfunding equity platform which allows. Um, retail investors to uh, directly invest in startups. So if you're looking for another way to get into early early stage companies, Net Capital is a great uh, place to do that. It's similar to, I don't know if you've heard of um, Start Engine, it's a similar concept to that. And it's mainly you pretty much buy shares in a company and then that company will then take their money to then use it for the funds that they have set in their offering. And you actually get an equity stake in the company. And so for us, it's great because typically those type of fundraising opportunities don't come for us. You need, you need to have either even like 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 a VC backed or some kind of mm-hmm. angel investor to get you to, to that level. But having it be open to everybody, there's just a larger pool of retail investors that allows you to get to where you need to go. Because someone, if you can get a couple of your family friends around to give you like hundred or 
a couple thousand, it's definitely um, a better avenue than just going the VC route or just mm -hmm. getting a loan from a grant or a startup, uh, an, an SBA loan, something like that. Yeah, you know, traditionally something like net capital was not really possible, but my understanding is that the like in 2016, the laws changed to allow more, you know, smaller investments in and get actual equity in it and for companies to offer it in such a way that wasn't possible before. Yes, uh, I believe it's called uh, Reg CF, um regulation crowdfunding, and that was the law that was passed in 2016. And yes, that is that is crucial to us being able to offer, to have an offering on the capital. Mm -hmm. So it's not like Kickstarter where, you know, in Kickstarter you're offering a new product or something and people aren't becoming investors in your actual company. Net capital is they are actual investors. And so as an entrepreneur, as a company, what are your obligations to those investors look like? Yep. So because they're investors, we have to uh, give them quarterly updates. We have to file our annual report. We have to disclose any conflict of interest it's it's all there's it's a, there's a whole sec team that has to approve and review any offering that that goes on the platform to make sure that we are following all sec guidelines mm -hmm. and then also we are we are liable because they're, they're investors so if they they can email us they can reach out to us and then we can we will respond because they are <laughs> they are our uh, <laughs> shareholders and so we are we need to make sure they're they are happy as well <laughs> yeah with one of the things that um, Net Capital does is it, it sort of works like Kickstarter in that if you don't meet the goals that you've set, it doesn't actually happen. Yep, there is a there is a minimum investment threshold, so it, it depends on how much money you're raising. So last time we were when we raised 50k, the minimum was 10k. So if we didn't get over ten thousand dollars, all the investors would get their money back. But if we got over that threshold, then that's the money that we would um, be able to use for our company. Mm -hmm. 450,000 is significantly more than 50,000. What do you feel like you need to do in order to make sure that you hit the goal? Yeah, so one thing is going on podcasts like this to make sure that people <laughs> know about it. <laughs> um, secondly, it's we're actually going to be partnering with the GK Fund to do some more media exposure there. And then we're also partnering with um, Silicon Valley Bank to, to do because they're they're actually our partners on the on the making side, and so mm -hmm. we're going to be partnering with their network to um, leverage their connections as well. And then we're also going to be just doing the classic social media, posting on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, friends or family, all all avenues of uh, media. We will be uh, pushing out must watch. Mm -hmm. When do you expect to open up that listing? We're targeting mid July right now, so that's 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 when we're planning on. I'm um, going going live on on a capital, um, pending the compliance review and all yeah. the other legal stuff. But that's when, that's when we plan to go live. Okay. Well, if you're listening to this episode, it's gonna be going live in a couple weeks, um, and so definitely follow along and and check it out. Cool. Well, what are your goals for that next funding round? What what do you what do you expect to use it for? We expect to use the our our funding round on improving the iOS experience so we get adding more features because we've we've collected some some customer feedback and we have a list of a laundry list or pretty much a backlog of items that we want to we want to add but obviously limited by cash constraints so once we once we have the money we can do what we want to do and then we also would like to improve our marketing so we want to have a real marketing team improve our SEO and then we also have 
a connection with Hollywood. So the writer for Ford and Ferrari, his name is Jason Keller. He's on our team and we want to see how we can get our foot in the door with Hollywood as well. That's really cool. What would that look like for in your ideal scenario? Ideally, we'd have um, some celebrities or Hollywood A-listers on the app using MustWatch and then promoting their shows or promoting our app in one of their uh, media engagements as well. Uh, or, or, or chatting with people about yeah. the episode that just came out and that kind of yeah. thing. That'd be, that'd be yeah, really exactly. cool. We, we want to get people to just engage on the app with, mm-hmm. with celebrities as well. That, that's definitely one of the avenues we were thinking as well. Yeah. Yeah. One of the big trends right now is TV companies making companion podcasts to the shows that they, they make. I can totally see them doing this kind of thing as well. Yeah, because one of the, I mean, as we all know, like user engagement and fan engagement is crucial for these companies, and MustWatch would be a crucial way to allow companies to connect easily. Um, this is a little bit of an aside, but I was sort of surprised that you were able to get MustWatch.com. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> it was not cheap. <laughs> but it definitely, I think some people were following us for a while. When we first launched, our name was Watch Party. And that's how we originally started our company. Mm-hmm. But as we evolved, Facebook released a watch party feature. Hulu, Amazon all had these watch party features, and they weren't exactly like our company. And we didn't want to get any confu- confusion in branding. And so we had a long discussion around what name do we change to and what, how do we still convey the right feel for the app and what we want to do because... On our app, you're, you're not watching the show on our app. I want to make that very clear. It's all about finding a new show, chatting, and connecting with people, but you're not watching it on the app. And so it's it's tough to, not tough, but it was, it was, we wanted to make sure that people knew that the app was for finding new shows, but also it has to be like, like a must watch. Like, I, I need to go watch this right now because it's something really good. And so that's how we, we came and came across this name. You mentioned earlier on that, you know, expenses are tight when you're working on something new. How worried were you about spending money on a on a domain name? Yep. So this is also where our partnership with the capital came into play because mm-hmm. they helped us in terms of getting us off the ground. And we work with them on the business side as well. And this is one of the avenues where they help support us. Oh, wow. Wow. It's great that you're able to pull together these different resources and get that support. Yeah, it's it's to us it's been crucial because with all the support, it's it's very tough to get your name out there. It's very tough to promote the idea. And so with that capital and the GK fund, it, it definitely puts us in a better light than usual. Well, Che, I, I really wish you the best uh, and must watch the best and your whole team and good luck over the next few weeks as you open up this round on, on Net Capital. I, I really, you know, ask everybody again, go check out the app. You know, sometimes we talk to companies of all different stages on the show. And I especially think it's important when we have someone that's just getting started, really trying to hit these user numbers that if people could go check it out, uh, that'd be great. Really appreciate it. If folks want to follow along with you, get in touch with you, that kind of thing, where are all the different places where they can do that? Reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn, Che Edouard. Um, you can reach out to us on mustwatch.com. We have a contact us email there. Um, you can also email me at che at mustwatch.com if you want to reach out. I am available on all platforms. Wonderful. And you can subscribe to this show and find notes and a complete transcript for the episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. 
And you can find me on Twitter at cpytel. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Mandy Moore. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. ThoughtBot is your expert design and development partner. Let's make your product and team a success.